A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello. Hello. I'm putting my finger in my mouth because I think my wisdom tooth is coming through, but I've been thinking this like for literally six years. Oh my god, have you not had them removed? No. They're still in there. Wild. I don't even know if they're my wisdom teeth or what. So I'm really just feeling the back of my mouth and I can feel a tooth. Don't know if it's a wisdom tooth. Don't know if it's a normal tooth. I got told before I moved here, so like two years ago, that I needed dental work done and I just haven't been back to the dentist. I'm so scared of the dentist. And I it's hate expensive. It. Yeah, I hate it and I hate all I hate all errands. I even just got a thing and mm-hmm. a letter which listeners are getting angry about and I understand that it's important. But I got a letter just being like we have reminded you three times you need to go and get your smear test, your cervical test. And I know how important that is because there's literally no signs or symptoms of cervical cancer, but mm. it involves me having to go to the doctor and I don't want to do it. Yeah, and it's like an extremely like unpleasant situation having someone like, I had it when I was back in Perth and it was very unpleasant. And the woman goes, oh, oh no. <laughs> and I was like, pardon? She was like, there's a lot of inflammation in here. And then I was like, okay, what does that mean? And she was like, could be cancerous, could not be. And I was like, okay, thanks. And then I was like on the blower trying to get the results for like two weeks. They just didn't send them to me. <laughs> um, Stupid. And other exciting news, which I fully forgot to tell everybody, but you know, I'm vaxxed up. I'm so jealous. Have you had your second one? No. Okay, you have to one. wait. Yeah, you, you have to wait like six weeks or something. Oh my God, six weeks. But yeah, my boyfriend got a text about saying he was eligible and then I was like 
I'm just going to, they say, don't, I went on the website and was trying to book to the one that he was booked in it. And they were just like, do not walk in. You're going to make our lives so much more annoying. Yeah. Just wait till you get your text. Right. Like, this rah. isn't about me. And I was like, anyway. <laughs> and then I just went and I was hiding in the car. And then I kept like slaunted out of the car and went up to the people. I was like, can I just do a walk in? And they said, yes, but that it was only AstraZeneca and I didn't want it because I'm a baby. And there's like a one in a one trillion. There's a one in a one trillion chance that I may get a blood clot, even though I took my, the pill forever. Yeah. Um, but usually you can pick Pfizer for like under 30s now, which is the like chic one. Yeah, <laughs> I want to get a chic Pfizer shot in my body. I keep trying to get on the list. I was only allowed a couple of days ago because I am under 30. Yeah. And, uh, and then apparently- I wasn't registered at a GP. I didn't know how to like sign up. I was on the, on the blower to people trying to figure it out. It was like- apparently when it uh, when it let your um, boisterous young age group in yeah. the day the day that you guys were allowed in, there was like hundreds of thousands was, of bookings. I think it was like nineteen thousand people in the queue when I went on to do it that morning. Oh, and it was that's like so cute. I know, little muffins wanting to get vax. Um, yes, I got fired. And then I, yes, weaseled my way in to the list oh, via man. my boyfriend's mum calling a volunteer who was at the place and he came Friends out and high places. I know. <laughs> I'm like in with the Indian mafia now. Excellent. Worth it for the Pfizer. How do you feel? Great. Yeah. Fine. I mean, I was tired the next day. And went on like a day trip to Brighton and was in the arcade playing games. And I was like, I'm so tired. And then realized that I'd probably forgotten that I'd got the vaccination. You're supposed to just chill out a little bit. Yeah. But fine. Excited for summer. I can't believe California is fully reopened today. Fully reopened. Fully reopened. Like as in. Concerts and. Just. I think they could have had concerts and stuff for ages. But I think today means that like you don't even have to wear masks if you're fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Everything is completely back to normal. Why are we so slow? Well, it was meant to be in five days, June 21st. That was meant to be our day. And now it's July 19th, which is Zach's birthday. <laughs> Cute. That's so nice. So I need to book a restaurant, actually, because I'm going to be busy. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no. So our date of everything reopening has been pushed back again, which doesn't make that much of a difference to our daily lives, really. But it does make a difference to the fact that, like, it's just a f- you can't a really feeling. party. Yeah, it's just a vibe, I think, that we all still feel in, like, yeah. stasis. It was so funny when Zach wrote The Butcher the other day and this, like, real kind of, I don't know what you call it, like, chav woman. I don't know if that's offensive here. Just, like, a chavvy woman. <laughs> Says it again. Came in and she, like, cut in front of us and she was just, like, yelling at the butcher and yelling thing. And she was so funny. And she just started talking about COVID. And we were like, oh, no. And then she was basically just like, and the thing is, you know, we could have been open for June 21st, but then like Boris Johnson didn't want to like limit the amount of incoming passengers each day. So there's 5,000 per day. So now we've got the new variant here and now we have to push it back. And Boris is just silly. And then she left and we're all like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. She just perfectly summarized the whole situation in like two seconds. Hi, so I heard funny. from PM. Um, I'd heard for ages and you would have heard about the fact that in Hampstead Heath, which is the really big grassy area and Hampstead Heath is this area in kind of Northwest London where heaps of celebrities live. Harry Styles lives there. Taylor Swift lives there. I saw Sam Smith outside of a pub there wearing a very lovely, beautiful printed floral shirt the other day. And you go in there and you can swim in these ponds, which I yes, always thought I've thought of that was these. disgusting. One of Zach's best friends swims there like, all through the year, even in the dead of winter. Harry Styles swam there yeah. in his Vogue profile, so it can't be that gross. Mm-hmm. But then my friend yesterday was like, let's go to the ladies' pond. Yeah. And we went to the ladies' pond, and you go into this area where no men are allowed, and you walk Beautiful. in, and it was like 
a good version of Midsummer, a better version of Lord's new music video, of just women everywhere, like tops oh. off, tits out. Really? Like, yeah, just because there's not, there's just no me. It was so lovely. I felt like I was frolicking in a field of flowers. Like oh everyone was like playing with each other's hair. There were just these hot lesbian couples. And then we all got in the pond and went for a little swim. And I was like, women only areas should be everywhere. Even should though, be everywhere. Even though like men only areas are so criticized i know but i was on the train today and this just like lecherous man oh my god i had a bad experience actually did i tell you i got photographed on the train Mm -hmm. and i got off the train it was like my first time back into london it was a couple of weeks ago and i got i felt this creepy guy like looking at me and then when i got off the train this like cute girl ran over to me she's like i'm so sorry but that guy was taking really weird photos of you when your head when you were looking down I was literally like suited and booted. I was like wearing like yeah, a turtleneck, a blazer, a thing. I was like, you're not getting no material here, my friend. It made me feel so violated. And then today on the train here, this like lecherous old man was just like, you know, they just stare at you and mm. just keep staring. Mm. And I was like, I wish there was just women's only carriages because I'm like, you're just making my whole experience unpleasant. For yeah. No reason. Yeah. It's so crazy, isn't it? I've said that when London first lifted. I can't remember if you were in this conversation or who I was having it with, but I was like, I feel like the men are on heat at the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's and it's making me feel super uncomfortable every mm-hmm. time I walk anywhere. You just get like stared at or just I don't you just feel you just feel like extra uncomfortable at the moment like maybe it's because we haven't been in society or maybe it's because they're being like extra creepy I don't know yeah I think it's a bad combination of both yeah like not used to it anymore and then they're also not used to seeing like women yeah if I wear and it's hot wearing shorts and stuff and people just look it's it's yeah Horrible. So we need to go and live at these ladies' Oh my god, ponds. I can't wait to go around these ponds. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I feel like I wouldn't even be self-conscious about like body stuff no, or hair or anything. No. Because it's all women. Yeah, I was lying on my side mm. to talk to my friend, which I would never do. Yeah. Because it's just like a really unflattering way to lie. And then I was like, I don't give a I fuck. Care. I don't give a flying fuck. Um, <laughs> it's like those tweets. Remember there was that Twitter thread that was like, what would you do like – if there was no men in the world for a day or something, sounds really annoying. But people were like, go for a walk at night. And yeah. I like nearly started crying. I was like, imagine if you could just go for a walk around the block at midnight if you couldn't sleep and mm. weren't worried about being like kidnapped. Yeah, I know. Or even just, yeah, walking through. I walked through the park by myself and it was 5.30 p.m. and I was still a bit on edge. And yeah. I was like, oh, and I, I, walk, I went for a walk the other day when it was raining here. And there was absolutely no one in like Vic Park, which is this beautiful park right Mm. by my house. No one in there at all at like 2 p.m. But London can just look so dark when it's raining and dreary. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I'm scared of going for a walk on my fucking lunch break. Yeah. But yeah, we should live at those ponds because they're really cute. Oh my God, I can't wait to go. go. Yeah. And then we just, we swim in the... (laughs) I was like thinking about how funny it would be if we were there together. I was kind of feeling like I was going to drown. Because like, I just, I don't know. I was like, I thought I could swim. But just kind of doggy paddling around this <laughs> pond and you go on like a it's circle. A, it's a little pond. It's so, so you just paddle around. That's so. It's, it's quite, like kind of big, but you go on a circle. I was like, this is so British. It's cute. And you have to go one way system oh. with all these ladies. <laughs> and, and, um, and Sana said that when men come and stand at the periphery, the women will all band together and like yell at them and kind of like wave them off. And like, oh my God, I love this. Yeah. Okay. But let's go. Let's yeah. live there. Let's live there. So I have a great podcast rec for you. It's called Poog. I hate, <laughs> I hate saying the name. Poog. Poog. It's two American comedians. One's called Jacqueline Novak and the other one's called 
Kate, sorry, I can't remember her last name. Kate. Actually, it'll say Kate Berland and Jacqueline Novak. And it's like Poog is goop spelt backwards. So mm. it's like two comed- like really funny New York style comedians and they're doing a podcast and it, it's not anti-wellness because they're like really into this shit the way everyone actually is if they're being honest, but they're kind of self-aware in the way they do it. So it's anti-goop because it's not earnest and it's kind of mm. realizes that the stuff is stupid, but they're all like dead serious talking about it as well. They're really, really funny. Oh, I'm I think so excited really like to listen. It. Yeah. I think that's the funniest thing about, well, that's what I always think about Gwyneth Paltrow where I'm like, she takes herself, she takes goop so seriously, but then yeah. sometimes I think she's just trolling us. I guess yes. she's actually just trolling us, but she's too scared to tell us that because she'll yeah. lose money. Because she'll lose money. Exactly. And then I have another podcast recommendation which is, I don't know how we missed this, but my friend was telling me to listen to this five-part series that the Guardian In Focus podcast did in January or February. Mm. And it's called The Freshwater Five. And it's like a five-part investigative thing. It's such a weird story. It's about these fishermen that like went out to go lobster fishing. And then when they came back, the same time they came back to shore, 50 million pounds worth of cocaine like washed up in the bay. And they got arrested and sentenced, oh, sent to God. jail for like 104 years. And when you listen to this case, you're like, they obviously didn't do it. Like, there's these random dudes <laughs> who were like, um, and it's not funny because they're all languishing in jail, but um, there was all these things they said in the prosecution. They're like, oh, drug cartels purposely pick. Wait, un- did you un- say they were languishing in jail? Is that the right? Languishing? No, because languishing's like when you're um <laughs> languishing's that new New York Times term where it's like you're not flourishing but you're not depressed, you're just like a bit burnt out. <laughs> I guess that's probably Yeah, they are, they're at. languishing. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah, like rotting away in prison. Yeah. Um and that's it's it's not funny obviously because it's sad, but it's yeah. so interesting how they built this case and then they'll explain how they built this case and then you'll be like, Oh yeah, that's sus and then the in essence project whatever person will come in. And then you realize it just makes literally no sense. Like they basically said, you know, oh, they called, they made a call at the same time that they passed this Brazilian boat. <laughs> and then a call five minutes afterwards, that must have been them being like, we're here. And then afterwards being like, we've got it. And I was like, they, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, why would you call it? Like, we've got it. It's like the most incriminating office. And also, like, about. they gave it to you. Obviously, you've got it. And they're assuming that, um, there's nothing to prove that any cocaine was on the Brazilian boat. They're assuming that it was from that boat because it was the only boat from South America that night. Oh my it's God. all just, it's so crazy. It's a really interesting story. I think you'll like it. A little true crime without people getting murdered. Or... Yeah, love. I'm super into Today in Focus. I like them so much more than The Daily. A girl I was talking to on the weekend was like, The Daily was such a product of Donald Trump. Like, it almost only made sense when Donald Trump was president. That's kind of true, yeah. I think that's true now. I just never want – I just could not give less of a fuck about American politics anymore. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would listen to that when I had no idea what was going on and needed a quick 20-minute thing into what crazy thing Trump was – And it was always entertaining because what he was doing was crazy. So it was, like, kind of fun to listen to. Yeah. Like, today on my run, I was like – I don't know. I was like, I can't be fucked listening to Dax Shepard today. And then, <laughs> and then, and it, because my stupid watch only downloads like three podcasts. Oh, yeah. So you have to pick. So then mm-hmm. I've got like those ones. Mm-hmm. And 
Who Weekly, which I also can't be fucked listening to sometimes because they're so intense but so funny. Who is like Who Weekly actually now you say it. Yeah. I was trying to think of the right comparison. I listened to them yesterday on the train actually and I was Did like, you? God, you guys are being funny. funny. Yeah. They're so funny. Um, and then I, it was like just a random episode about protests in Colombia and I was like, all right then. And just ran around and listened to protests yeah. in Colombia for half an hour and learned all this stuff well about done. what's going on in the world. When usually I'd be like, I don't care. I want to hear Dax Shepherd <laughs> talk to like Jessica Biel. It yeah. was, and I was like, I don't care about her. I'm sure she's interesting. Like, mm. I was watching today some stupid YouTube video on my Pomodoro break of Cindy Crawford talking about her most iconic looks for Vogue, and I was like, this is going to be so boring. I don't know why I'm watching this. I was I watched Selena Gomez. Sorry, and why? then I watched thing afterwards. I don't. I literally don't know why. I was like, it's in front of my face. Fine, I've got yeah. five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just loved it. And I was like, all these people that we just think are boring. They're always like interesting and charismatic, and you yes. like them when you see them talk. That's why yes. they're celebrities. Yes. Even if you think they're not for you. Yes, that's what I usually find when I listen to his stuff. Yeah. I meanwhile finally finished Love Island season three, which came out in 2017. <laughs> I needed to get it out of my life. Okay, I was like, it just, Real Housewives just needs not. to go. Mm-hmm. And now they've announced that new season's coming. And I was like, I like physically can't watch it. Okay. But this really cute girl who I think I told you at the start of when I was watching this, that she was really random and really smart and just didn't fit in at all. Yes, because we watched an episode at your house. Yes. That girl. She yeah. ends up like stays the same the whole way through, but becomes mm-hmm. amazing. And then makes this hot as fuck Calvin Klein model who comes in and he's charming and lovely and smart and they like the same books and rah 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 and you just, and you kind of think like Jade me for thinking this like that like I'm I'm embarrassed of myself for thinking this but I was like I think that he's going for her because she's the only thing she's beautiful and she's like beautiful and cool and smart and like amazing mm-hmm. but I was kind of like I think he's only going for her because she's the only single one and it. Every, the public loves her. I don't know. I just kind of thought he wanted to stay in the villa for some reason. Mm-hmm. I thought he had ulterior motives. Wasn't there for the right reasons. Fast forward to when I could Google who's still together to this day. They are engaged with a baby. Oh. Which is really cute. That's really nice. And then I watched Feel Good, which is this Netflix yes. show. Season one was just on channel four, but season two's come out and Netflix has picked them both up. So now it's kind of becoming like a massive thing because it's finally on Netflix. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen things about it before. Yeah. And it is a comedy series from this comedian called Mae Martin and it's semi autobiographical. (laughs) Biographical? Biographical. (laughs) I don't know why that happened. I think I looked at my notes as I was talking and got confused. Um, (laughs) And. It basically talks about how she's an ex-addict and she meets this girl called George while she's doing stand-up one night and they fall in love and it kind of follows their love story. Um, Lisa Kudrow is her mum in the show, Cute. which is always great. And it's just really funny and really like easy to watch. And now I'm up to season two. Okay, I'll watch it. Mm. I will watch it. I keep running out of time to watch anything. Yeah, this is really easy. If you put it on, like, you'll just finish it in a night somehow. Cute. Which is really good. And then everybody has been talking about Bo Burnham's new Netflix special called Inside. So Bo Burnham is, um, I actually had no, I I knew his face, but I didn't really know who he was until he was like the lead guy in Promising Young Woman. Mm -hmm. But when he was 
on Promising Young Woman as the lead guy, I knew there was heaps of press around the fact that like he's the exact guy you would never expect to be a bad guy because he's like the nicest guy ever. Uh-huh. And then I looked it up and he became famous way back in 2006 doing YouTube videos where he would sing and do comedy on YouTube became super famous and then basically is like one of the only people that's kind of moved from like a YouTube career to being a full stand-up comedian to being like a really successful film director yeah because he made that what was that movie he made eighth grade eighth grade about like a young girl yeah people were like it was the first movie that depicted being young in this day and age well or something yeah so I, I really want to watch that and he also which is really cute, goes out with Lorraine Scafaria, who directed Hustlers. And she also directed this film called The Meddler with Rose Byrne in it. And it looks like a a really good rom-com. And on Who Weekly, they said that it was like a brilliant, brilliant film. So I really want to watch that. A power Um, couple. Yeah. And before she started dating him, so they've been together for eight years, she went out with Adam Brody, who's also in Promising Young Woman, which is quite funny. Hollywood is so incestuous. It's so incestuous. I was thinking that today with um, like a guy posting that his wife got obsessed with this one specific relationship and then like later on in like a true quarantine fashion had gone through every celebrity and like paired them up and the Mm -hmm. graph was so disturbing because everyone has just dated someone who's been with the other person. They're all so like I started mm-hmm. um when today and focus finished. Yeah, like I started making one of my own. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the it's gone to my bedroom. It's on my wall. Yeah, I started the Jessica Beale podcast after today and focus finished today, and Dax Shepard was talking about how when they were young and going to clubs, he would hang out in a group with Jessica Beale and Ashton Kutcher and all these other celebrities. And she was kinda like, haha, yeah. So yeah, think, yeah. I, mean, I think she tries to just I don't know. I think people try and play down. They're trying many... to play it down, but they're all just dating each other. Like, yeah. Dax Shepard, when he interviewed Rachel Bilson, I was like, Rachel Bilson had just gone out with Bill Hader, and Rachel Bilson was friends with Kristen Bell, and then they'd worked together on Bill Hader's ex-wife's film, and they'd all known each other since, like, 2005. Mm. It's just all... It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But there's um, so much gossip we don't know as well. Yes. Yeah, so, Bo Anyway, Burnham. back to Bo Burnham. <laughs> Inside is this Netflix special that he wrote, directed, and performed in and edited alone during COVID lockdown. So he did it in his attic at his house, just with a keyboard. And it's basically him just going through all of the stages of quarantine and talking about like the effects of the internet on us and the effects of lockdown and the the political effects. And it's um, gone viral because people are saying it's kind of the only piece of quarantine art or even just quarantine comedy that's like really hits home because it's mm-hmm. he it's kind of like Nanette in a way where he talks about really serious topics but in like a song. So he's talking about how uh, like with Black Lives Matter, white men are like, oh, we want to help, but we want to help while being the center of attention still. And then he's kind of joking about the fact that like he's a white man and he's obviously going to make money off this Netflix special. And then at one point he films a song and then he films himself responding to the song and then he films himself responding to the response of the song and he's kind of like slowly losing his mind uh, about like the image or whatever that he's projecting to the world so he goes oh I said that because I'm insecure and I and I like try and I'm so worried about people not liking me that I'll say I don't like myself first so that they don't get a chance and it's just really kind of self-aware and clever like I can't believe he did all of that himself so he did you know the music production the lyrics the concept the execution the cinematography the lighting and yeah he did a really good job but at the same time I was like I think I'm 
I think I don't want to hear about COVID anymore. Yeah, I know. I had I had like such a because I watched it mainly this morning and on the train over the way here because I wanted to have seen it before we talked about it, obviously. And I was like in two minds about it because there were so many parts of it that I thought were really smart. Like I thought that thing where he did because he obviously comes from like internet culture and YouTube because everything was like a spoof. Not everything, but a lot of it was like a spoof on YouTube things, like reaction videos to thing or pretending his life was a video game and him being like a live streamer responding to it and stuff. And that reaction video I thought was so smart because it kind of is what all of us were doing, especially in lockdown. Like we were just looking at our screens and then like obsessing over how we – it's something we all do on social media is obsess over how we're presented, but it was like – that suddenly became the only way we could communicate with anyone. So it started to feel like that was the real world instead of the actual real Mm. world. And I think that like, yeah, like you say, it's like the kind of smartest piece of like entertainment that encapsulates this time. It's like, it felt like a cultural time capsule Yeah, for what this time was like, but I didn't necessarily like love watching it. Cause like you say, it still feels like we're so, so close to the action that it's like not enjoyable to be, yeah, I can't thinking laugh about, about all this it stuff. Yet, I'm yeah, just like, I'm still, we're still half in it. Maybe it would be. I'm trying to think if it would be more. Like, obviously, it has been groundbreaking because everyone's talking about it. But I'm, I'm, I wonder if it would have been more impactful if it was released in the middle yeah. of lockdown because we would have just all been like, "Oh my god, yes, this is what we're doing." But right now, it's like we're trying to forget and like to go forget. to the pub like a normal human, and then you're reminding us of all these insecurities and all this cr- this crazy time that we've like we're trying to forget right now. I just felt in two minds as I was watching it because it was like on this macro level, it was really smart because of what he was doing felt so different. And I think like Danette's a really good example where it felt like it was breaking down the rules of stand-up comedy. But then on a micro level, it was like I didn't find the skits super funny or I didn't find the mm. many things super clever. But I what he was doing was really smart. So yeah. it was a kind of weird experience to watch it because I felt like I was watching it with this sort of detachment where I was like, I don't – like this i'm not sitting being obsessed and laughing at everything and thinking he's a genius but i'm intrigued by it as like a cultural (laughs) yeah product yeah because then at first i thought the issue was the singing because there's heaps of singing in it it's basically him doing songs and then he does like a bit of monologue in between and at first i thought that was what was annoying me but then i loved flight of the concords which was so much Mm. singing it was a very specific type of internet humor I i was thinking when i started i was like oh this isn't for me Mm. like I don't I'm not the target market of this because I don't it it seems like such a specific niche of internet humor that it's just not our type of humor whereas like with flight of the concords it's like an even more niche type of humor that is just fucking hilarious yeah it just like some of the stuff felt like so I don't know the word is like lowest common denominator where there was that whole sketch about like white women on instagram and he was saying you know flower crowns latte art blah 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 and I was like oh this isn't a thing anymore yeah it would be yeah like as you said to me before we recorded it would have been so much funnier if he'd done what women are posting right now on instagram which yeah isn't brunch pics and it isn't like flower crowns or anything i can't even think of what it is but there are things stuff about the israel palestine yeah yeah and then like and yeah and then talking about how now everyone's posting about like black lives matter and israel palestine and stuff to like show that they're woken across things totally i think that and I guess that's a thing with the internet is like everything dates itself so quickly so you can never make something that feels super timely but I found stuff like that a little bit where I was like oh I feel like he's doing something that's groundbreaking so we're giving him so much credit because it's 
Mm. It's no one else is doing what he's doing. But at the same time, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I actually don't fully know how I feel about it, but I watched it and I was like, I don't think he's a kind of genius. Like when I watched Nanette, I was like, she's a genius. Yeah. I didn't feel like that yeah. about him, even though I thought that what he was doing was clever. And it just, okay, I have a question for you. <laughs> Bo Burnham obviously has like pretty privilege. I just couldn't stop thinking the whole time I was watching it. I was like, if this was a short, fat, like balding Italian man in his 40s, how would we respond to this thing? And yeah, I like, no, I think a lot I think a, a lot, lot of, of it's it, because he's hot. A lot of it's because he's hot, but a lot of it is because he's Bo Burnham. Like he he right. actually has such a huge audience from his YouTube, from his comedy, from the way he's like directed all these things, even just the more niche audience who are obsessed with him and his relationship. I think it's like a him thing and watching him be vulnerable and watching him talk about anxiety and like loneliness and depression is what's kind of hitting home for people. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's everyone's obsessed with him. Yeah. And then he's made this art. Yeah. Like when Bradley Cooper made A Star Is Born. Yeah. We yeah, were yeah. all just like, wow. It was like a random person yeah. that we'd never seen. But we were like, he was in The Hangover and he's actually talented. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do think it's really interesting how all these internet people are transferring themselves onto like old fashioned forms of entertainment. So like you said, Bo Burnham's a YouTube person, but he's not like a YouTube person that went and did a really traditional comedy special. Like the comedy special was a YouTube person doing a comedy special, which is like YouTube by way of Netflix. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think with people like Z-Way or like Sarah Cooper or whatever, you see that similar thing where it's like, with varying levels of success, taking the format that they're really good at and trying to put it on to like a 30-minute primetime special, like an hour and a half, whatever. Mm. It's interesting to watch. Yeah, it's interesting because comedy was like such a huge thing in the pandemic, but then unless you've really broken through like these people, obviously Bo Burnham's had like a massive career for, for years, but like unless you were one of the few people that really broke through, it's kind of just dying off. Like, even Jordan Firstman, I'm like, I don't even ever look at that guy anymore. Yeah, and he'll probably have a show in, like, a year's time where they're like, surprise, and you're like, oh, because it just takes ages for them to <laughs> yeah. do anything. Yeah. And even, like, SNL, I know SNL is, like, really struggling at the moment. The Atlantic's been writing heaps about it. They I can't get anyone to host, which I kind of get because, like, things aren't coming out and stuff, but there's just no excitement mm. around SNL. And I think that it's because the people who are doing well on SNL, like Chloe Feynman and Bowen Yang and stuff, I'm like, I know them from Instagram or TikTok and they happen to be on SNL versus the other way around. Mm. And it's almost like their sense of humor on SNL only works when it can be shared on Instagram and TikTok. So you just get to a point where you're like, what's the point of a 35 minute show once a week that does all these weird skits that aren't funny because you can just get it straight from the cast members on YouTube and it's like really quick and really reactive and like actually worth tuning into yeah exactly so not like the things that social media then deems irrelevant i know like sitting down to watch that on tv when you can just follow your favorite person from that show from that show and just see what they're doing yeah exactly they should they should like have a contract in those things now that like if you're but then again i guess you'd only go on it to get a following did you watch the sarah cooper special on netflix Mm-mm. It was so bad. I feel bad saying it because I would like take a bullet for Natasha Leone. She directed it, but it was it was literally a shambles. It was such a mess. It was just not funny. It had so many funny people in it, like Maya Rudolph and like John Hamm and Fred Armisen and Winona Ryder was in it. Like they got every celebrity you could get. They poured all this money into it, and it just sucked because all Sarah Cooper can do is a funny Donald Trump impression on Twitter, and it just doesn't yeah, translate I... to an hour and a half 
like comedy special on Netflix that cost $20 million to make. It's like they didn't know what to do with the money. Fuck. They didn't know what to do with the celebrities. Like it was just so random. It was like 50 vi- vines in a row. No. So I, yeah, I, be- I barely know who she is. Is she on SNL? No, she oh. she started doing these like, it was almost like TikTok before TikTok, like videos of her mouthing Trump's stupidest quotes and they would go viral oh, on Twitter. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, no. Oh. Yeah. And then they gave her like $15 million to create a Netflix special and every single celebrity wanted to jump on it because I think they wanted to support like a new – she has a great story. She was like an accountant at Google or something really random, had like a random tech job and started doing this and became really famous. So I think people wanted to support her. Right. But it was just bad and it's like it's hard to make that work. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, the yeah the, I mean I did, I did like the Bo Burnham thing. Like, I'm glad it exists. No, me too. Yeah, the same. I'm glad him and his girlfriend exist. I know. Little muffins. I really want to watch the Midler now. He's sexy, do you think? Yeah, he's sexy. He's sexy. Yeah. And he had that long, like, Jesus beard. He looked really emaciated. And yeah. Like, yeah. Like, the sexting stuff with the emojis. I was like, this is so cringe. Like, I was like, it's not, it's literally not funny. But yeah. like, it's okay. He's like musical theater kid energy. Yes. Should we talk about Amanda Klutz now? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. So, I like how you've done these headlines, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was like, almost organized. Formatting the Google Doc before. And I like, I literally clicked on all these different headings. I was like, hitting one, and then I ended up on hitting four for the titles of our topics. Um, but during COVID, one of the first kind of really famous, well known deaths was of this guy called Nick. Cordero and the reason everyone found out about it was because his wife Amanda Klutz was sharing all about his journey on Instagram so I remember somehow ending up on her page and I think it was Florence Pugh I yeah think she was very instrumental because we were all obsessed with Florence Pugh when that happened and she was doing like her cooking videos and then yes they're close with them yes yeah so yeah I think Florence Pugh had shared something about Nick dying and I clicked through onto Amanda Klutz's page and then saw that she'd been documenting his whole journey from getting misdiagnosed with pneumonia twice to then finally getting diagnosed with COVID and then going in and out of intensive care. I think it was like months long journey and she was documenting the whole thing and gaining so many followers in the process because everyone, this was at a time when Trump was still saying that COVID wasn't even worse than a flu and there was nothing to worry about. And this is this young, early 40s guy with no underlying health conditions, super healthy, super fit, and he died from COVID. So it was kind of the first person that anyone knew, in quotation marks, of who had died from COVID, who was young and fit. He was definitely the, like, kind of, you had, like, Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks yeah as the first celebrity people but that was by far the first kind of and they're not even overly famous it was Mm -hmm. like two degrees of separation from being famous like actual really sick in death it was massive yeah so the reason Florence Pugh knows him is because Nick had starred in a Broadway show with Zach Braff and so they were really close friends and then actually when he got sick they had moved to LA from New York and they were living with Zach Braff and probably Florence Pugh, she was always in LA with him, when he actually got sick and went to hospital with COVID, which is quite crazy. So yeah, she gained a huge following from that. She was a personal trainer. And since then, she's now released this book. So she's done a huge New York Times profile. They shot her in like this kind of glamorous, bit off 
shoot and I don't know why they keep doing these like fashion style shoots for like really random things yeah because the book live your life is coming out soon and then yeah what do you think (laughs) yeah okay so but like I think the there's like a chorus mainly in the comments section on this but I think I mean as you were like talking about it and it was kind of throwing us off how we felt about it where there's this criticism on one hand that she's like profiting from her husband's death i think she had thirty thousand instagram followers before he got sick and now she has six hundred thousand, and she's like really used the new platform to promote her like fitness business and her mm. personal training and all of these um businesses she runs and i think because she posts so often people get this idea that she's like enjoying the popularity that she's getting and she's obviously written this book really quickly like she said she started writing it two weeks after he died and then it, she put in the story that her sister, who's married to a magician, is, like, also writing a book about being married to a magician. Like, it is – and the New York Times was obviously throwing a jab with that. But there's this question about is she profiting off his death? I mean, the thing that I think is complicated is just, like, yes, she's profiting off his death. She's profiting off his death because she wrote a book that she's going to make money off. But – why is that a bad thing? Like, I think that's the mm. question. It's not, is she doing it or not? She just is doing it. That's a factual fact. But the question is, is it bad? Is it not just taking adversity and taking, like, being dealt an incredibly shit hand and, like, turning it into something that will, like, help you support your family now the breadwinner's gone or whatever? I think yeah. The question is, like, why do we care? And help other people to deal with grief. And also, like, I was thinking this because I kind of felt – so the New York Times – story is titled the story of a famous covid widow and when i saw that i literally just saw the headline and was like oh it's that chick Mm -hmm. it's it's that girl and i clicked on it and it was her and she's like fully dressed up to the nines in this glamorous photo shoot and i feel like that's partly on them as well because i think so much of why that felt jarring to look at is because she's in this like flowing gown it looks like Meghan markle's bloody pregnancy portraits Mm -hmm. like it's shot by a really beautiful photographer if they just had a very a serious black and white head portrait of her and then the same story i think people wouldn't have reacted in the same way it like frames her in, the wrong in that way. in the wrong yeah. way and then i was reading it and i just i don't know i was like it just feels off but then what yeah exactly like you say why should it feel off because this is obviously a woman who's now a single mother she's lost her husband her like child will never know it's dad she now has this following and she wants to do something with it and she also like people have said Friends of hers were in the comments, I'm pretty sure, just being like, she's a really giving, caring, empathetic person. She's a nice woman. Who also (laughs) always wants to help people, and this is her way of, like, grieving. Yeah. And we're all having a go at it, but then, I don't know. It it feels, like, it feels off. It does. It feels off to me, but there's so many things that people do on the internet that make me feel off. Like, people pimping out their kids for stuff (laughs) makes me feel, like, really off when people use their kids to sell SponCon or, like, turn their children into... Instagram accounts is all about mothering. It's like that makes me feel Harry and um, Megan putting lilibetdiana.com. Yeah, like they're gonna get like t shirts made. Like there's lots of things that I find that people do, especially Americans and especially people on the internet, that I cannot understand the thought process that would lead you to do that. But I'm also aware that it's just a personal preference. It's a personality type or a value type or whatever. And that I'm like, who the fuck am I to make a blanket judgment? Yeah, and also the other thing is people who have written autobiographies, people who write articles, people who write stories, we're all 
we're literally all profiting off our own traumas or experiences or whatever mm -hmm. because that's the whole reason you write a story. Mm -hmm. The whole reason you're the person writing the story is because you have an experience that's unique. You have an experience that other people haven't been through. That's what makes you the best person to tell the story. And I think that her taking that experience and, and turning it into something that's going to make her money, just it would seem so crazy for her to turn down this book deal. But at the same time... I look at her and think, God, like right now after yeah. the year we've been through, after like not only Black Lives Matter, but a, a, a global pandemic that has so overwhelmingly affected people of color mm -hmm. and minority groups and people who come from poor socioeconomic backgrounds that we have picked a white blonde woman and her like semi-famous wealthy background and from yeah, yeah quite yeah. a wealthy background and a like semi-famous white man to be the mm -hmm. front of covid yeah and like they are not white people are not the people who were really badly affected by this white people in like montecito are not the people that yeah. Are, yeah 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 totally. it, it just feels so but empty. then it's like from her perspective she's like but it did affect me so like you know yeah. like you can just see both sides but i like totally agree it's like you have to zoom out from like her and just look at it as a thing and then it becomes a question about like that's not even her fault. It's no, like yeah. the media's fault yeah. and people's fault, fault that she's being framed in this way, that she's getting this huge New York Times write-up. Exactly. I found it random reading it. I was like, why is this in the New York Times? Like, I literally didn't understand why they were – like, I get it because it was kind of a big story, but I was like – But they, they will be covering it. They will 100% be covering it for this. They yeah. I think the New York Times have been doing so much shit like this recently where they're literally covering something like viral terms, like languishing. And then mm. what's the opposite of languishing? It's this other buzzword. they've got this post-Trump panic because all their subscriptions have gone down and no one cares Yeah, anymore. and I think they're just trying to get – so they knew that this was controversial. They know, they know people will be questioning why she's got this book deal and why she's doing all this and, and like, be talking about it like we are. I think there's, like, this element as well of, like – I don't know how to frame it because it's not class, but it kind of is class. Like, I think there's a level of people jumping on her and hating her because I'm trying to figure out how to say this properly. I'll use the opposite example as an example. So Carol Radziwill was married to John F. Kennedy Jr., JFK Jr., who's married to Carolyn Bissett's cousin, who was his best friend. I know this is like roundabout, but what? I'll get there. Okay, so she's a Real Housewives of New York, but okay. she's also this, okay. she's an ABC journalist. She worked for twenty years. She was married to JFK Jr.'s cousin, and they were best friends. So he was like best man at their wedding, and she was best friends with John and Carolyn. And then she was the last person John and Carolyn spoke to on the phone before their plane crashed and they died. She was Carolyn's like best friend, and then three weeks later, Anthony, who'd had cancer for five years, died of cancer. So, like, she's oh had this worst go of it ever. She's an icon. I'm obsessed with her. And then she wrote a book about it five years later, which was exactly what Amanda Clutes has done. It was a book about the experience of going through these, like, tragedies and how it formed her and what the experience was like and becoming a widow so young and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, because Carol Radzivill has this level of, like, Ivy League education, understands the prestige of things and, like, it has this slight better understanding in terms of like an elitist classism thing. She understood that like, if I wait five years and write it in a certain style, then it's okay to do this. Mm. Whereas someone who doesn't have that elite Harvard background, who doesn't understand things in that way is pretty much doing the exact same thing, 
but just doesn't understand the rules of engagement that like if you do it straight away people think you're trash and obviously publishers don't give a fuck like, no they don't, don't care they just want it yeah. out and they know that there's like It'll not going to be the timeliness so, and I'm like part of me just thinks she just doesn't have this understanding of the rules of engagement of like class or I don't but know I'm what the also like Maybe she, she doesn't care, but I'm like, it's yeah. funny how we react to different Differently. things. Carol Radswell's book exactly is this like, highly celebrated, man Booker Prize winning. Everyone thinks it's this incredible memoir. No one criticized her for like capitalizing off her husband and best friend's death, but she did. <laughs> well, Joan Didion did the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. One of her most yeah. famous books is about her daughter and her husband dying. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's one of the most, some of the most famous books of all time. It's like, we accept that it's done but we're like no you can only do it if you're a writer of a certain caliber or if you're a certain type of person Mm, which i think is kind of hypocritical yeah exactly i think it's the time thing here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The next thing we were going to talk about is the fact that last week in... New Zealand, mm-hmm. Aotearoa. New Zealand. Um, <laughs> there was massive backlash after this film was announced called They Are Us, which is focusing, wants to focus on the Christchurch terror attack in 2019. Rose Byrne, who we've randomly already talked about in this podcast for Rose some Byrne. reason. I love her too, but she's <laughs> naughty for this. But yep. she, she won't realize that she's naughty, but she hopefully now she does. She does now, I'm sure. <laughs> hopefully. She hasn't said anything, but um, she's attached to play... Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern because the movie's based like the plot of the movie that we have been told is that it is focused on the terror attack but mainly focused on Jacinda Ardern played by Rose Burns response to the terror attack so basically as soon as it was announced it got huge backlash from the Muslim community in Christchurch and around New Zealand who were predominantly they were like completely the victims and predominantly affected by the terror attack. There's been a petition to shut the movie down, which got, has gotten 70,000 signatures. Then Jacinda Ardern spoke out and said that while, you know, there are a lot of stories that can be told from that horrible day, mine is not one of them that, like, should be focused on. And then now uh, this amazing producer, uh, Philippa Campbell, who was on a producer on top of the lake, she has pulled out and she apologized for her involvement. And she kind of gave a bit more of a backstory because I was kind of thinking like we obviously haven't been told 
Because like, it seemed too random. Like when did, you read it, you're like, what was anyone thinking yeah, with this? Yeah. What were they thinking? Um, but she said that the film wasn't only about Jacinda. The filmmakers wanted to pay respect to the victims, their families, and those who assisted them. They'd spoken to Muslims in the city about the project. Apparently, a lot of Muslims have said they had no idea and they were blindsided by the announcement. And that she also hoped that telling the story of swift gun control action might resonate in America and other countries. But yeah, the mayor of Christchurch, where the attacks took place, also said the movie crews wouldn't be welcome in her city. So it's caused this massive backlash from New Zealand and I think the main thing like we just talked about is that the timing of it yeah yeah exactly that's why I was yeah I was really shocked when I read they were even making that because it's like so soon it feels so so soon and you're also just like I always feel like with movies that depict these events it's you know reminding a new generation of this really important thing that happened in a country's history or it's Mm. like the 20th anniversary or something and you want to be making sure that the experiences of the families are never forgotten or something i just don't really understand what the deal is doing it two years after except because you think it will make money yeah and i think the rose Byrne thing was like really detrimental because just because she's so beautiful and she's such a hollywood actress that it set the tone for the thing where you're like oh they're making this really hollywood glitzy glamorous sexy yeah and while they say thing. like it's not going to be solely focused on jacinda it's like rose Byrne would yeah. take on a role where she's yeah. in it for four minutes yeah, yeah. You're, putting, you're putting rose Byrne as jacinda yeah she's obviously a main focal point which just kind of made me laugh i just find it funny it's like how carrie mulligan and who's the other one zoe kazan are gonna play she said yeah and that, like i'm like i get it but i also just find it fu- i'm like it's just funny that these women are just new york times journalists that like broke this massive story now there's going to be the sexy glamorous like beautiful actresses slick music soundtrack movie to their experience just like give it a bit more time yeah hollywood's I'm like, so shameless I'm, I'm like quite into that one though oh we'll, we'll watch it yeah. for sure but i'm just like it's just funny to me that it's like they're just so quick i know just relax for a minute again as we kind of just talked about with amanda clutes is instead of focusing on the actual Muslim community who are affected, they're focusing on the response of a white woman, mm-hmm. a beautiful white woman who the world is obsessed with. And like, who why? like, and who it's like, okay. She did her job. She just did her job. Like I'm like, she, like, she, okay, she well. got gun, gun laws through really quickly afterwards, yeah. but I'm assuming that's not what the movie's about. So it's like, well, they say it's about her response, so maybe it'll be about that a bit, but surely not really. That's, that's, quite, so that's so boring. Quite I'm sorry, that's yeah. such a boring movie. Like, what her being in Parliament, being like, I want to pass this gun law, and then unanimously well, exactly. the entire like, Parliament that, being so like, dry. yes. So surely it's about um, her finding Bobby out. Bobby Cannavale plays Clark. <laughs> oh my God, Clark would be cast in it. That is so funny. I didn't even think about that. And their kids could play one of their kids. I think they have two sons. You know, get a little girl in to play Neve. Oh my god! I forgot. I like didn't even Clark, think about. I don't know what we're gonna do. What if the gun control laws don't pass? And they're like in their house and point shift. That's so funny. Oh, it's so silly. I don't even think of that. Very silly. Clark's been doing um, Spawn Con on Has his he? Instagram. Is that I don't know. I was like, this shouldn't be allowed. Him. So jarring. What for? Jarring moment That's of the like week. A, that is a jarring moment of the week, which, like, I, I don't know. I just saw it on his Instagram. I was like, Clark, about like Hello Fresh or something. Like, oh something so crazy. He meant, he's sick of cooking up meals <laughs> for Cindy every night. Isn't that what he said he does? He's, he's like, pro- gets all the ingredients and she cooks them up. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Getting Hello Fresh now. Yeah. That's funny. I know. I was like, stop. Okay, anyway. let's talk about this 
fantastic piece in Harper's Magazine that you sent me that is by, da, 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 da. what's his name? Barrett Swanson. And it's amazing. So the Vox piece said it was like slouching towards Bethlehem. It had like a Joan Didion investigative journalism quality, which I think is true. Like mm. it's so well written mm. and it so captures how fucking crazy this TikTok thing is. Yeah. It's basically a piece about club. So I was confused because I'm 100 when it said clubhouse. <laughs> I was like, that's an app. So they have like yeah. clubhouses which we have talked about before, which is where like TikTok kids go and they just create content at all hours of the day. Well, they, they live there. They live there, They like yeah. move into these mansions and there's six different random TikTok creators all living in mansions together. This is like a Sofia Coppola movie waiting to happen. Oh my God. It's like a yeah. Black Mirror episode waiting yeah. to happen. Yeah. And they, yeah, they all live in these houses together and make content 24-7. It's just these content houses. Like, I'm like... Silicon Valley it's like has a, just it's got like these a factory. These, yeah, these young kids and throwing them in mansions and is treating them like factory hens or whatever is in a factory. <laughs> battery hens. Battery hens. No. And like the kids, are, so all, they're all like kids. And this guy, Barrett, I don't know why I can't stop saying his name. It's just such a weird <laughs> name. Barrett Swanson is a, like a university professor who is basically saying that he's noticed this huge drop off in like really intelligent students who. Uh, basically dropping out kind of not on mass but like regularly to go to LA to try and become influencers while they're still like young and a hot commodity because they can make so much money off of it and it's kind of like which uh, Caitlin Moran said when we interviewed her she was like it's like the next gold rush like it feels like the wild west again where it's just this world where there's all this money and it's so unregulated and it's just run by cowboys who don't know what they're doing and like government and everything is just trying to catch up because they just don't get what's happening. Like it feels like that. Yeah. But these just quickly on that, he said as a professor, he's like never had so many people request like support animals or like have students drop out for mental health reasons or whatever. And my brother, who's a teacher, was telling me recently that in his school that he's just started working at, there's like literally 15 girls he said it's mainly almost exclusively girls who need to be walked. This is like high school students, like 14, 15 years old, who need to be walked to and from the bathroom because they're all on like suicide watch, basically. He's like, this is literally a huge thing with teenage girls in high schools now. It's like massive. Oh my God. I know. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, it's, it's, it's all his friends who are teachers say the same thing. It's like this, this, and it's obviously fucking social media. I was of like, course. that was not a thing at all when I was in high school. It's like really, really scary. So. Off the back of this Harper's piece, which I'm like halfway through, I know you've read the whole thing. I read the New York Times piece, which basically interviewed a bunch of different people in these clubhouses. And they were talking about how like in February, this TikTok star known as Shark Crow, he posted a video saying that the app used to be fun, but now your favorite creator is depressed. He went on to speak about his friends who use the app a lot were all suffering from mental health issues. And then that went viral with a bunch of other TikTok stars responding to it and affirming that they too were feeling horrible and down and depressed. Mm. And so the New York Times went into all these different clubhouses and were photographing these young, like 20, 19-year-old kids. And basically they are all so petrified that their fame, because obviously because of TikTok's For You page, which we've talked about before, it like delivers fame faster than any other platform. So it's possible to amass millions of followers within a matter of weeks which is what's attracting all of these young kids because Mm -hmm. suddenly you can just be in a bedroom with dim light you don't have to be all polished and you can become famous 
but as quickly as you can be famous, you can just be forgotten about. And so all these kids are in these houses getting so freaked out that they're going to lose followers or they're going to lose likes that they're just posting content, posting content, posting content so that that won't go away. And that's, and then they've got like every week, a new like uh, wave of people coming in that are there to like usurp them because they want to come in and be like the new fresh hot thing on the block. So you've got this like, it's not spring breakers. And I'm like trying to think of a movie like that. We've got like this creepy old guy who's just funneling young girls in and out. It is spring breakers. I think. Yeah. I want to watch James. I want to rewatch that too. I don't know if he actually does that in the movie or if I'm misremembering, but it's just like this idea of this kind of sinister force who's just looking at this turnover of young, hungry kids. It's almost like the porn industry. Like, you remember that Hot Girls Wanted mm. documentary about what happens to girls in the porn industry? It's like really similar. Like, you come in, you abandon everything because you're told, like, you can make $40,000 in a day, you can make $60,000 in a day or whatever, but it's like you can only do that for the first two months like you're the only the hot new person on the block for a very short window of time and by that time you might have abandoned or severed ties with like a lot of things that could look after you long term yeah like you've quit uni you've done you've moved out of home you've moved into this clubhouse that like so in this harper's piece he was talking about this specific clubhouse that he was at the boys didn't pay rent and in exchange for not paying rent for a mansion that's worth like, what was it? $36,000 a month or something. Yeah. They had to post three to four videos onto the mansion's page per week. I was like, to do that Jeez, per week yeah. plus keep up your own following and posting every day and like coming up with new ideas would be so draining. Yeah, so a bunch of these kids, because they're so young, they come into it completely inexperienced and take on management by all of these, like, exploitative people. And in the piece, like, a bit I highlighted was where he said, no one has benefited from the creator boom more than the technology industry. After over a decade of largely snubbing influences in the past year, high-profile investors have done an about-face. Venture capitalists in Silicon Valley are now pouring money into creator-focused startups, and platforms have begun to compete for talent. Yeah. So they're now completely changing their tune on influences. Before they used to just push them aside because they were, you know, I don't know, kind of deemed, what is it? Yeah. Just a bit unsavory and not high end or whatever. And like, you know, there was the magazine industry and the proper marketing industry mm-hmm. and billboards and whatever. And now everyone's just turning to these creators and these influences. But then no one's giving a toss about their mental health or what happens to them after they have this it's literally like the pop star era of the 90s but like happening now to every single with all person, of these yeah. influences because it's happening on this micro level it's like in the 90s with Britney Spears or something you'd put all of this energy and time into making her famous and then she's famous and then she hits this peak where she's no longer relevant and then it burns out but that happens over the course of like 7 or 8 years where this is happening over the course of like 7 or 8 weeks or 7 or yeah. 8 months yeah. and then people are just coming out the other side you're getting kids who are like and there's a reason why kids are the people that are doing this because like 18, 19, 20s like your brain isn't fully developed you're, you're most susceptible to wanting approval from people it's like there's a reason that people aren't 26, 27, 28 because you just couldn't be fucked you're like I can't think of anything I would care about less doing than taking videos of myself all day to get some likes on th- you know what I mean it's mm. like we're all a bit tragic on social media but like but then also I'm, I, I it's wonder, a young person's game I think it's a young person's game but I also wonder how enticing it would be if that did happen once and you got like mm. millions of, cause you know what, you'll, you'll think you don't give a shit about something and then you post an Instagram and it gets heaps. It's that feedback loop. It's like once yeah. you, once you get in, 
it's really hard to get off it because you get like a bazillion likes or like you post an Instagram story and heaps of people reply and then suddenly you think, oh, everyone loves seeing me film my breakfast and talk to the camera about my face. So like I'll just continue doing that and imagine if that then turned into money, it would be really hard to say no to. So what I found kind of crazy and I didn't realize was that Charlie D'Amelio, who's TikTok's biggest star, she's like the only person ahead of Addison Rae, said that she'd lost the passion for posting in March. So she's already like burnt out and she literally became famous like a year ago. I remember seeing something with her. It was just such a micro story, but it was basically that her and her sister, who's also a TikTok person, had had like a family dinner that they'd live streamed for Twitch or like some fuck no something. It was like a dinner they'd had at their house and a, a chef had cooked it for them. And in it, apparently through it, the sisters were like uncomfortably rude to and dismissive of this personal chef. Like we're just like, we don't like it. Or like someone spat out their food and someone did like, it was like really uncomfortable. And she lost like 2 million followers in two days or something, which in the context of how many she has, isn't that much, but was like a big drama. And at first I was like, oh, what a brat. And then I was just like, oh my God, when you're 18 years old, you just are an asshole. Yeah. And like, if you add that to like everyone telling you you're amazing, making a bazillion dollars and everyone just wanting to watch what you do all the time, you would just act like an entitled brat, not because you're a horrible person, but because you're just caught up in the moment or you're excited or you're just being silly. Like I can just think of times when I was with my friends when I was younger, we would be like accidentally rude to waiters or like mm. rude to a taxi driver or something because you're all just little idiots that are like feeling like adults. And, you're not trying adults. To be, and, and like half of it is you're trying to be funny. Yeah. You're trying to be entertaining. You're trying to be entertaining. And like that's streaming to all this you're trying to be entertaining. And I was just thinking about how hard it would be for these kids who like they're so out in the open that they don't have PR people. You know, you look at A-list celebrities, there's a reason why their images are so pristine. It's because the art of PR has been developed over 150 years or whatever. Well, they but have so many people that protect them. They have so many people that protect them. Like publicists, if a bad picture goes is going somewhere, publicists will call up TMZ or Page Six and be like, you will never get anything again from any of my nine clients if you run this. Yeah. And stories get buried or like yeah. you, you have the paparazzi machine at your beck and call so you're picking what gets uploaded. or you're, Like you, you're so protected and looked after and it just sounds like all of these kids are just – going at it and seeing what happens it says in this box article that this writer called kate Lindsay wrote a piece for substack where she was like tons of mid-sized creators are burning out or taking breaks or disappearing completely because they're popular enough to amass giant followings but not to earn the kind of money it takes to insulate themselves from having these followings tiktok of course relies on these mid-sized creators so it's this idea that like tiktok wants people to have like half a million or one million followers because that makes them like the ad revenue or gets them the people on board or whatever but these people that are getting the following and getting the money don't have the money to get like a great pr mm. or get someone to care so they're like really vulnerable because they're totally in the middle of like yeah and then they'll just have some crazy manager call them up and start exploiting them exactly they're like the ones that like the charlies and the addison rays and stuff at least are at like olivia rodrigo they're at mainstream fame now where they'll have yeah. a degree of protection where these mid-sized people which are basically making the whole platform run are the ones that are just left to fend for themselves mm. it's really stressful i feel really worried bad yeah it like actually freaks me out i feel like it's scary that all of these it's how i felt like sorry to keep bringing up porn but it's like i think what happened with <laughs> porn where it was just like it just went up and like adults <laughs> adults 
didn't know because they were like, well, we're not watching hardcore porn, so we don't know how easy it is for 12-year-old kids to access. Mm. And now it has just proliferated a whole generation of people, like our generation. Like, I have absolutely no doubts. I think there has been, like, a spike in sexual violence and that it's linked to porn, personally. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's because you just had... So I interviewed Chanel Contos and she was talking about her experience. Say who she is. So, yeah, she's... um. Australian. She's yeah, she's amazing. She's this Australian girl activist who basically started a website called Teach Them Consent and she's like kind of pioneering sex education reform in Australia because she started putting up on her Instagram account like women have you had bad experiences with men in high school specifically like high school boys from the eastern suburbs and she had such an overwhelming response. And when I was interviewing her, I think she's only like 6 or 7 years younger than I am maybe not even, like four or five. And like the things she was saying about boys that went to Zach's school mm. who are five or six years younger than him, we were just like, we just don't recognize this landscape, like revenge porn and all that stuff. It just yeah. feels so beyond what our experience was. I think that's what's happening with TikTok where it's like the parents of these kids can't intervene because they don't understand the technology. So they're just, it's all just fucking crazy. Yeah, it's petrifying like i just i really worry about what's going to happen to like this next generation of kids and it's funny and to all of us like to even watching bo burnham and he was lying on the ground in one of his skits with shit everywhere and he was just like maybe the flattening of an entire human experience into a lifeless exchange of value that benefits nobody except for a handful of silicon valley people maybe that's not good yeah i was like yes like all of us are gonna be fucked it's just to what degree and i think it's like i was i don't know why the bo burnham thing made me realize this because it's so obvious and i think i knew this in some sense but didn't really where it was like the pandemic was the worst possible thing that could have happened to us in this yeah. digital climate like social media climate because it just drove us all just accelerated only it. online for a whole year and i feel like the fallout of that even yeah silicon valley must have silicon valley fucking leaked covid yeah they, yeah, yeah not talking about the bat woman like she was paid off by jeff probably yes that drove us all online like i've never felt obviously as online like we're away from home when we have been in like a perpetual global lockdown mm. in a way that like australia hasn't and we're our first year out of living in the country we grew up in. Like we were in this very specific situation where we were really driven online in a way that was really accelerated. And I think it's going to take us a while to like unpack the fallout of that because yeah. it's like you can just fall into these holes of like totally forgetting what reality is outside of what you're seeing online. Mm. There was a great quote in this Harper's piece where he said, this is the chilling contradiction to the claim that TikTok is a platform for the Wait, this is a I don't know, he's worded this weird. Basically, he says that it's a contradiction that TikTok frames itself as a platform for authenticity. Yes. Because he's like, that's the big selling point. It's like, this is an authentic version of Instagram or Facebook Mm. or whatever. Whereas, like, when you actually look behind the scenes of how the stuff is getting made, it's the most inauthentic, crazy capitalist thing possible. And it makes Instagram, where things look really posed and obvious and inauthentic, seems so quaint and old-fashioned because you're like oh well this was just a person that wore an outfit and kind of posed embarrassingly for five to ten minutes versus someone that's like living in an actual house where all they do is create content all day every day like it's fucking nuts yeah i know and i know we've talked about this a lot so i'm gonna spend 30 seconds on it but i do 
feel like Instagram is finally it's dying. Like a barren wasteland. It literally yeah. feels like there's tumbleweeds. Do you know what rolling past Instagram? It's because everyone's on TikTok. Well, it's because everyone's on TikTok, and I also think I know we've said this a thousand times, but it was funny because I never trust like my own opinion. I always think my my own opinion isn't fully formed, so mm-hmm. I never think to like. Yeah, I, I should just like seen. pitch this somewhere or something. About yeah, and I'm like it. I don't know. But then yeah, the girl from the X Men or probably girl Haley, whatever her name is, with her newsletter, maybe baby, wrote a thing being like, "What's going on with Instagram?" And in it, she just completely explained everything we've talked about on the podcast about how I look at it and I think. This just in no way encompasses my full personality. Mm-hmm. So it just feels so it just feels so off when I post a photo of me smiling at a camera or whatever. Cause I'm like, I'm not like that. I'm a chatty, bubbly person who doesn't who doesn't mm-hmm. it just it just feels so like off and weird. And then posting about politics and things you care about now feels performative. So now mm-hmm. I've stopped doing that. Like mm-hmm. with Israel and Palestine, I was like, I don't feel comfortable posting about this because it feels performative now, but I also feel really weird that I'm not posting about it considering yeah. I was posting so much about like black lives Matter. I'm just like it's it just feels so fucking confused Israel Palestine was like such a watershed moment for like Instagram activism because that was the moment where I was just like we just need to stop this everyone was just posting everywhere and obviously in some sense was like having this benefit where it was like forcing this discussion that people didn't have before but I'm not totally convinced that forcing you know, white women in their late 20s to have a discussion about the nuances of Israel-Palestine was actually helpful to anyone in Palestine. Like, perhaps if, you know, people donated some money or whatever, but at the same time, I I just felt like such a, like, circle jerk of virtue signaling and people were posting just being like, oh, so you didn't post about Israel-Palestine. I thought you cared about black lives or whatever. And I was like, everyone just needs to fuck off. Like, I hate this. (laughs) And then she talked about Adam Curtis's documentary, Hypernormalization, so basically he was saying that, you know, we get into this dynamic hysteria, but everything always remains the same, which is like the whole point of hypernormalization is it's like we get in this wave of hysteria and angry people clicking more and us sharing all these things about Israel, Palestine, and us sharing all these things about Black Lives Matter. And then those clicks feed the system and then nothing changes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was just like, what is me posting about Israel, Palestine going to do and then like the other part is I always think you know at least if there's like one or two people who might have seen this who didn't Mm -hmm. otherwise then they might learn a bit about it and then they might talk to their friends about Mm -hmm. it and like that's the other side of it but also it just feels like less impactful and just and and just fake for example it's such a stupid example but I watched Love Island Mm -hmm. and I finished Love Island and I fell in love with like every single person on Love Island I was like you're charismatic you're funny you are self-aware, you are just absolutely hilarious. And then I went to find them all on Instagram to see what they'd been up to. And the minute I got to Instagram, I was like, every single photo is like a pouty selfie, mm-hmm. a stupid outfit post. It just completely like obliterates, flattens you. Yeah. flattens you and like obliterates their entire personalities mm-hmm. to fit onto this grid, which makes them so much less likable than they are in any other context. Like mm-hmm. I completely get why video content is becoming so popular because mm-hmm. you can actually like you you love real housewives of new york because <laughs> you can see them talking to each other and interacting and then that makes you yeah it's feel the same an thing you want to go them. follow them on instagram because you're obsessed with them yeah. and then their instagram is like the worst thing you've ever seen yes there's this one that's called, like us like i'm literally like yeah, people same. who follow either of us on instagram would be like who are these like these boring, boring bitches? bitches exactly and you're like posting for 
you think you're posting for like one thing and then you just like that obliterates all of these other things yeah. then you realize like oh okay i'm posting for example stuff that's like fashion-y for like fashion journalism work but like if podcast people come they'll be like oh my god i thought grace was like funny and smart and interesting and she just <laughs> was like the dumbest bitch with like yeah. a fucking prada jacket yeah. now and again it's like <laughs> but it's like you can't trying to be everything at once on instagram is also a fool's errand but i also just think like you said i i mean i'm too i don't i'm reticent to write it off because i do think that when there's like an actual burst of social activity again and people are traveling again and people are doing all the stuff again that we've been thinking about part of me suspects that it, there will be this renaissance of instagram where everyone's wanting to show off everything and it's just because there's nothing to show off at the moment and we all know that we're all fucked that we're like what's the but point there, of this but, app anymore because we can't show off anything but there is it's, people who can show off like mm-hmm. california new york is completely open australia new zealand has been cl- completely open it's like specifically us that isn't but even like but even I had then a, i'm just I had like, like a really I, fun weekend yeah. and did all of these fun things yeah. and didn't want to post any of it other no. than, because i was like what's the point every time i go to post something i think what's the point of this yeah because i'm like i think the platform is like predicated on you showing off right that's yeah. like what it's always been and when you get to a point now where i'm like don't want to <laughs> well we've just got this all in this together kind of vibe now where it's just like who are you showing off to like yeah. someone else who hasn't been able to like and it's like even though people in australia have like had relatively normal lives it's like you know that everyone can't travel and probably won't be able to travel for two years and that everyone hasn't been able to see loved ones for a long time and like weddings have been put off and baby people are having babies three years earlier than they thought they would because they know they're not going to be able to do fun stuff for another two to three like there's just a lot of things where it's just like why like why the fuck are you showing off it was like before for some reason which i don't understand it felt okay to do that and now it just i'm just like why that's not nice (laughs) (laughs) to make people feel like shit and i think it's i mean it'll be like really interesting to see what happens with it because i just i can't see as much as i try to i just can't see our generation jumping the whatever and going to tiktok and suddenly doing tiktok videos like i just can't see no no that's not what's gonna happen i think we're just like aging out of it which is which i like yeah i literally do feel like in the last few months I just started to just like lose this sense of like that life was the thing that was just happening in life and Instagram was just this tiny little thing that was going on. It was like the only portal I had into what everyone I know and loved is doing. Mm. So it suddenly started to feel like that is reality mm. because we couldn't do anything day to day. And it's like coming out of that and being like, no, it's it's so irrelevant and it's so thing. It's actually really refreshing. Yeah, it's really refreshing. I kind of want to just shut the whole thing down. No, yeah, I, I like I deleted it off. We've obviously stopped posting on afterward drinks because we're useless bitches and we want to be less on the gram. But I deleted it off my phone for a week and I only re-got it because I wanted to share a story. Mm-hmm. And it felt so nice not having that. I didn't miss it at all. I just mm-hmm. text like a couple of friends who usually message me on that and said just text me. Yeah. And then just didn't have it on my phone for the week. Re-got it for the story. Shared the story. And then just haven't deleted it again. And then just mm-hmm. find myself mindlessly scrolling on it. Mindlessly. And I'm like, I'm like not getting anything from this anymore because I don't even find... I don't, I don't find work stories on there. I don't find like really outfit inspiration on there because it's just, it's so cluttered and weird. My new plan, which I'm going to enact this week is to create a Instagram because I find a lot of work stuff off of there, like ideas for stories and stuff. I just, I'm not very original and I'm going to create an account that just follows like the places I go to look for what's going on. Yeah. And has nothing to do with social stuff. And then yeah. only log into the social one like once a week. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, because it's all just like 
roped in together so it's like confusing because sometimes i'm checking for one thing and sometimes i'm checking for another thing and then i literally I'm like, open it for a task like i open it to be like what was that thing i sent grace for the podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. and the minute i open it and get to that feed which i'm, I'm like completely confused about i'm like an addict at the pokies i'm like yeah. scrolling tapping yeah. stories flicking through yeah clips through to someone random and it's then 10 nuts. minutes later i'm like why the fuck did i open why this? am i here i'll like go in to look at a saved post of like a yeah. fucking yeah, yeah, ceramics yeah, yeah. brand yeah. that i want to pitch for a story and then all of a sudden i'm looking at what like someone i went to high school with is doing there's an app called threads which you can download and it just has instagram it's basically like facebook messenger so it just has your oh, messages so you cool. can still contact people so it's yeah, not like you're cool. going to go on it with that thing being like well what if someone's message if someone asked yeah because that's the only thing you, you you need it for mm. is if someone actually messages you messages every time you i socialize with someone i'm replying to their story yeah being like hey and they're like oh my god why haven't we had a drink yet or something and like that's how you socialize yeah. now it's just like it's all just yeah anyway Jarrah moments of the week. You go first and then I have a surprise one to talk to you about. Okay, well, this is funny because I messaged you saying, if you haven't watched Lord's new video, you need to watch it because it needs to be a Jarrah moment of the week. And you replied saying that you liked it. And I said, I loved it. I am (laughs) Jarrah. So I was like, this is Jarrah and this is Chugi, but I was excited for new Lord. (laughs) Um, love unapologetically love Lord and have from the moment I know little she, she's voice em- sprung out of the ether she's embarrassing but like is she embarrassing she's, she's just mainstream yeah but she's not embarrassing no she's just mainstream yeah uh, she's just like being like oh, I love Taylor Swift kind of vibe yeah that's okay but like I do someone has to yeah someone has to <laughs> um, and then yeah her two last albums beautiful brilliant fab this the album artwork or like the the single artwork i'm not sure yet for solar power so cool it's her like jumping over a camera she's wearing her butt she's wearing georgia ellis (laughs) she looks amazing and then the video came out and the song and i was like right bitch here we go and press play and i and i just hated every moment of it the video the video i hate the song I, the but song I is just not it's, it's just not memorable like I couldn't hum it for you now yeah but I, I was like I was like okay this is like an interesting choice for the single but like oh I trust you <laughs> yeah yeah so then so the song I was like I don't like it but it'll probably grow on me and I'd be like bopping away to it by the end of summer mm-hmm. and then the video it was like her on this beach in Auckland or wherever the fuck she is and it just looks like midsummer culty vibes yes great um, which is great but I was like it just felt, I don't know why, I just like hated it. And everyone was white. Yeah, what was okay. up with that? I was like, is this on purpose? No, it was I like don't 50 think. people. Yeah, I and know. I was like, guys, guys. And I was like, surely Lord and her creative team are across Black a little known movement <laughs> called Black Lives Matter. I hundo. There I, definitely yeah. was, like, there was like people who weren't white, but just not really. And then she was like dancing in this cute. I'm, I'm obsessed with yellow now, thanks to her. Yeah, um, and she, I feel the same. Yeah, like, Lord single-handedly bought back yellow. She congrats. has. She has. Yeah, she has <laughs> for sure. I went and got like a dress altered that's yellow, and then I bought like a fucking yellow top, like exactly like the one she's Wait, wearing. Wait, can I just ask a question, like really, really quickly? Is it that Lord perceived that yellow is back? That we, that we could go on forever, or did Lord bring yellow back? Lord, I think, brought it back. She just looked at it and was like, yellow's right. And she's the first person that's done it. But yellow has to be right for some reason for her to perceive that. You know well, what I, think, I mean? I think, I think it's, it's symbiotic. It's, I think it's as simple as her being like, my song is called Solar Power. Oh, so yeah. it's something about the sun and summer. I loved her out. I loved the outfit. Yeah. 
Oh my god, I loved it. The outfit was really cute, and it was by this sustainable brand, and I can't remember who they are, I but I followed them on Instagram. And it's really funny because she just gives off this vibe of someone who's like me, been working out for the past few months, and just wants to show off their rig. Like, give me, <laughs> give me the crop the top, the lowest skirt <laughs> you have. I know. I loved it. She just was like a confident girl. That's why I think I liked it because she's like not a great dancer, but like that's what she's like on stage. She's yeah. got this like confidence and she was just dancing around. It all felt like it was done in one take, which it can't have been. And I think I just responded to that energy. I was just like, I like this kind of all over the show. You you responded in a pea brain manner. I Yeah. I just like, I just liked it. My like little pea brain was yeah. like, I'm just. Well, that's me usually yeah. too. Like I'm like, I was like up for this. I put it on and was like, give me mm-hmm. what you've got. And then I was just like, yeah, I found it like really funny that she was wearing that thotty hot yellow thing because I was like, that's what I would do if I now had your body. I just found the whole clip quite just random. Like it was trying to be something, but it was kind of missing the mark. And then I found the song a bit random. In some ways, she's kind of doing like a mini, you know how all the, all the pop stars say that they have to do transformations all the time? And she's obviously like gone from her goth, emo, like 16-year-old phase when she yeah. released her first album, like pure heroine i think yeah and then she went into the next album which was a bit more growing up but still quite dark and then Mm. now she's obviously coming out and being like i'm a happy skinny got abs on the beach girl and i don't know it just it just i was like oh it's weird that she made it with jack antonoff so i'm like they're just fine now they're all good i don't know if they had a beef but i thought she was like in love with him and now he, he never went out with her I don't know if that was true or if we made that up. Was that just the PowerPoint was just like completely was, non-factual? Yeah. It's hard to believe that it wasn't factual. <laughs> I know. Look it up. There's, a, there's a PowerPoint somewhere floating around the internet about Lord and Jack Antonoff and it's like makes for compelling reading. I'll say that. It's like 70 pages long. Well, yeah. Okay. I have a quick genre moment of the week, which is that Chrissy Teigen has come out with yet another medium essay. About her bullying antics. Oh my god! I know this one just flew a under the radar. Yeah, she did a medium essay last time about her. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, about horrible her stillbirth. And then she's done another one about bullying Courtney Stodden, and basically, it's like I just I don't care. So like, well worded. She's like, I'm not going to make excuses, and she was kind of like, I thought I was being funny and snarky. But I wasn't. And I was like, you literally told a 16-year-old child to kill themselves like 30 times over DM. Not 30 times. You literally told a like 16-year-old child to kill themselves. So I'm like, it's not quite snark. But then everyone in the comments, John Legend and Kim Kardashian, and everyone was like, love you. We all make mistakes. And then no. basically the Jado moment of she the She would week. have like held a knife up to John Legend's throat yeah. and watched him type there. <laughs> and then basically after that happened – this is like a rollicking ride. A guy from Project Runway called Michael Costello came out and was like, I can no longer be silent. Seeing Chrissy Teigen's medium essay, she basically screenshots of her saying, I hope you fucking die and all this stuff in 2014, which is like much more recent. Oh my God. What? And he had been in basically, he worked on Project Runway and then, like, a disgruntled former employee had shared fake screenshots of him saying the N-word that would prove to be not real quite soon afterwards. And Chrissy Teigen started DMing him, being like, fuck you, fucking racist piece of shit, I'm going to ruin your life and all this stuff, like, about a Project Runway contestant she'd never met. And then She's a crazy troll. She's crazy. And then he was like, hi, Chrissy, can you call me? 
this is a total misunderstanding. Like it's being sorted out with like blah, blah, blah at the moment. These are fake tweets. So like, well, whatever. And then she was just like, no, fuck you, blah, 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 blah. And then he was like, my mental health is like in a really bad place with what's going on. Can you please just stop messaging me? And she was like, I literally, I, I, good people like you deserve to die. Wow. And then he shared that and was like, I saw that today, but I didn't click on it and yeah. didn't realize how like recent that was. Yeah. And then he was like, this happened in 2014. And not only did she send those messages, but basically I've had in the last six years, like up until recently, endless jobs fall through at the last minute. And people have told me it's because Chrissy Teigen and her stylist Monica Rose have constantly told people to never hire me, which I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he says. So he says, I've been on the verge of suicide for the last six years in my life because I know that like every single career opportunity I've had has been like pulled through at the last minute because of her and she's never like taking the time to apologize or even read the fact that it's like widely acknowledged that it's fake oh my god and then he's outed her and that post got like 600,000 likes so she hasn't responded to that and then Leona Lewis who sang Burning Love (laughs) I know who she is yeah came out and was like, I don't usually speak up about things like this, but Michael Costello styled me for a shoot once and he made me feel bad because I wasn't sample size and he refused to change the dress size. So I don't think he's a nice person. Oh my God. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? That's like when, um, or was it like Sia Sia jumped onto like the, um, what's his face? Uh, if K Twigs, Shia Yes, she was like, she was like, he tricked me into bussing him. I was like, that's got nothing to do with this. Wow. Yeah. So the last thing to end on is, oh my God, just really quickly. Sorry, this came up eight minutes ago on Daily Mail. Can Oprah save Chrissy Teigen? Chrissy Teigen wants a sit-down interview with Oprah Winfrey to dam- to salvage her damaged reputation. Fuck off. Please. I want that to happen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Another emergency, emergency episode. episode. Oh God, I don't know if I could be fucked, but maybe. The last thing we just have to include, it's not that Jade, but it's funny. Madison LaCroix, who you will know as the Southern Charm Girl, yep. told page six, you're welcome, about Benefit 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> Queen. Queen. An icon for our time. I do feel like the next natural step after Housewives is for me to get into Southern Charm. Yes. Yes. The, bachel- the Bachelorette USA, actually. But yeah. Right. Bye. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.